Welcome back, listeners. You are watching Mondays Down South, another week of Evan, Cy, myself. We brought on a new guest that has probably never heard of Mondays Down South before, but he's one of my really close friends back when I was living in Austin, Texas. Uh, now, this guest is special because not only does he have alopecia universalis like myself here, but we're also the two best looking people in the Texas area, at least before I moved. So that I know we can attest to, but Pierre, welcome to the show. I know you're the biggest sports fan. I see you rocking your caps here. He's a big Washington sports fan for the audience that will be viewing this. And, uh, and Pierre, maybe you can just give a quick intro and then also talk about how we met before we jump into a multitude of things that we got to talk about today. For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I met, I met this crazy guy here um, in the middle of a bar on a Saturday night. Saw him across the way, and I was like, that guy has alopecia, and there is no way I'm not going to be friends with him just because <laughs> of that. And uh, I think we had – I don't really remember much of that night, but I think we probably had about four or five <laughs> rounds of shots, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. an understatement. That's an understatement. That's an understatement, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, born and raised in DC, huge DC sports fan. Um, I, uh, I was living in Austin during the world series, but I went back for game three. Um, fucking loved seeing the, uh, the caps and the Nats went back to back after all the years of heartbreak, but yeah, just, uh, looking forward to talking some sports. We, we love, we love having new guests here. And I, I think it's awesome that this is like I feel like a lot of other people we've had on has been like, oh, yeah, we know this buddy from high school. I love the story of you and Zach just like casually getting drunk and meeting at a bar and like here you are on this podcast. Right. Like that's that's the best kind of situation. And you turned out to be a D.C. guy. I love how like Alex and you, you've gone down to Texas and met people from this area that you're you ended up being friends with. I think that's hilarious. Alex, that, it was it was such a great network. So for the for uh, some of the folks that are listening to this in Austin, because we do have a couple of fans in Austin. Um, it was the Buford's bar. And Evan, when you actually came down and visited, that yeah. was the bar that Cy and I took you to. It's it's a wild first I mean, night, right? COVID times. That place was six, right? It was West a ton six, of fun. Right? Yeah, yeah, right on West yeah. Six. We met at the uh the rooftop bar. So we had this like view of the entire dance floor, which was going crazy. And me and him just started uh may or may not have been pounding uh, alcoholic beverages. So you know, we'll we'll leave the viewers up to discretion there. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, but what's up, Sai? I was going to say, I think we can we can throw it out there that if anybody needs recommendations of where to go in Austin, Texas for a good time, you got plenty of people on this podcast uh, ready to, ready to you know, give you options. So that's a heads up to any of the listeners and viewers out there. But with that being said, we can jump right into it. I think, Zach, you wanted to get right into uh, what what are we doing? MLB analysis right, right now? We, let's, get, let's just get into it, man. It's World okay. Series time. Why, why waste time? Pierre, you've been you've been keeping up with baseball, man. You, you got any uh, any thoughts on this World Series matchup? I mean, other than the fact that like it's going to have an asterisk next to it, and the real defending champs next year are still going to be the Washington Nationals. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a fact. Um, I mean, 60 game season. Look, I love watching Mookie Betts. It's so much fun, and these this Rays team is a spunky team. But like, I'm still going to call the Nats the defending champs in 2021. That's my hot take. It, it is it is fun to have the hot take when the Nats were a total dumpster fire catastrophe this year after the World Series. Like, they were so bad. I'm a Mets fan, so we're on the same page here, buddy. But we were the bottom feeders of the NL East. We let the Marlins make the playoffs over us, and we're sitting here talking about <laughs> asterisks this year. That's, that's absurd. 
that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I can't I can't dispute that one. We were we were trash this year. We were yeah, trash. We, we, we're, we're we're on we're on the same page there. But with that being said, World Series was I personally am not going to put an asterisk next to it only because and not the only reason, but because the two teams that made it probably very much deserved to be there in terms of the talent that they had. Uh, I think Evan, if I remember correctly, I think my when we did the predictions episode, we both picked the Dodgers there, and I think I picked the Rays in the World Series. So. I might be a little bit even more inclined not to put an asterisk next to it just because I feel happy <laughs> the fact that I picked it right. Um, with that, Ev, I think we talked about how many games we think the series is going to go. Let the viewers know what you said because I, I love that take. I love that you're not sleeping on one of those teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a great matchup. And like you said, I, I think we got the two best teams, which is kind of kind of surprising almost given the 60-game season and all the weird stuff. But I do think we actually got the two best teams, which I'm excited about. Um, and I went Rays in six. Like, I think the Rays are a really underrated team here, as good as as stacked as the Dodgers lineup is. Like, I just think the Rays have better pitching, better bullpen. I think Kevin Cash is a much better manager. Since I said that, obviously, the Dodgers dominated game one, um, and they're playing right now. I'm not sure how it's going. I think the Rays were up at the beginning. But, uh, but yeah, I went Rays in six. We'll see if that happens. But I, I think the Rays are a little undervalued in this series just because of all the talent that the Dodgers have. Pierre, what's your prediction for this uh, for this series matchup? Well, I really hope it goes six or seven because I've got tickets to game six up in Dallas. So uh, I'll, I'll have to jump back on the pod post game six. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, I, uh, I look, I don't even know if it's going to go there. I, Evan, I'm with you. I, I really hope the Rays push it there. But this Dodgers team is just stacked. Uh, when you throw Kershaw and Bueller back to back and you got Mookie making the plays he was making on the base pass last night, like they just look tough to beat. I was just going to, I was just going to follow that on Kershaw. The one thing sign I did talk about was like Kershaw is the difference maker here. He's kind of the key to the series because obviously he struggled after getting hurt in Atlanta. So we were like, which Kershaw are we going to get? But the fact that you got that Kershaw last night and then he lines up for five and then with lining up Bueller for seven, if it goes seven, or you could use him in six on shorter rest, like it does set up well, really well for them now that Kershaw gave you such a great start, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So basically my, my, thought and this is what I mentioned to Evan Pierre and, and Zach was most years if the Dodgers made the World Series I would be completely out on like rooting for them and wanting them to win at all this is the one year where you know I'm still totally happy with the Rays winning but I'm also not going to be upset with the Dodgers winning because that they went two seasons out of the last three seasons of making the World Series and losing to teams that weren't necessarily playing too fair as we all already know about everything that we heard so I, I, I kind of like this is the one year where I'm like, you know what, if the Dodgers go out there and they win that World Series, like it'll be their like, you know, their redemption story after all that that they went through. The other thing being, I think, Pierre, like you said earlier, I am such a fan of Mookie Betts and the way he plays baseball and watching him play like it's so easy to root for him. And also Clayton Kershaw, in my opinion, is the greatest pitcher of our generation that we've ever seen. So and he gets a lot of flack for his playoff record. So for him to go out there and pitch well, if they win a World Series with them, I'm going to be very, very happy. I picked the Dodgers in seven, although I could definitely see Evans' prediction coming true too. I know the Dodgers won game one handedly, but the Rays are, are no joke. I mean, we talked about Kershaw and Bueller. I think the Rays starting rotation is better than that. Like they have the, maybe not the top two, but if you look at like the after that, it's you're going Morton, you're going Glass now, you're going Blake Snell, who was a – X Cy Young and it's it's deep and the rotation I've made a point or not the rotation their bullpen I've made a point earlier um, might be better than the Dodgers they were this year I think the Dodgers have a little bit more experience in terms of their pen 
but yeah, like you guys said, the depth of the Dodgers is the reason I'm picking the Dodgers in seven. So far, like I, I know the Dodgers won game one, but I could definitely see the Rays coming out and taking this one. I just think they're, uh, they're, they still have some of their best pitching yet to come. So I'm super excited about this. I, I'm, I gl- I'm glad we got the best teams in each, uh, each div- I want to say division, but each side, if, if I'll put it that way, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. What do you guys well, think about the? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. No, no. Go for it. Go for it. Actually, uh, give your uh, last MLB point, then we'll switch over to NFL in a second. Well, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think about the uh, Dodgers going bullpen game, game two here? Because they because they went Gonsolin, right? So I guess they've been using him kind of shorter. Yeah. That's the thing. Like they really only have the two starters. I guess Urias will be a starter this series after they used him out of the pen. Uh, I, I don't know if their bullpen's deep enough. We'll see how it goes, but uh, but yeah, I, I do. I think it's tricky because it depends on who you follow. I like when they follow with like a lefty because you throw the righty out there, get them to put all the lefties in their lineup, and then you bring in a lefty reliever. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I could see like Gonson trying to go like like even four innings or so, and then that sets them up if they can have a lead. But in a normal in a normal World Series normal playoff situation, I would think that they're getting a little too tricky with it. I know I know uh, their manager gets a lot of crap for it, but I actually think this season of all seasons, it makes more sense to get a little bit tricky with it because even though there's breaks, games have been so much more consistent. Whereas in previous years, you could go with like a three man rotation and and be fine. Now you're having to having to be a little bit more like ready to go when it comes to uh, when it comes to these games. So I think. The Dodgers, especially with the fact that the guys they're using, like Gonsolin and Dustin May and guys like that, who are starting pitchers that can easily go three to four innings and then a couple of days later pitch another three to four innings. I actually kind of like the approach because if you try to match them with horses, I think the Rays are going to beat you if you just try to go um, four or five games with just starters because the Rays are just like have more depth at, as, as far as top tier starting pitching goes. So I actually think it's a pretty creative strategy to kind of get um, the Rays out of rhythm a little bit with like the way Evan said with making people switch up at bats. I think it's pretty, pretty unique strategy. So I'm, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, with that being said, we can move on. I know, I know Zach said, uh, we'll roll on to NFL now, right? Let, let, let's get it going. Yeah. So, uh, so we're actually going to switch it up a little bit. Normally we, we kind of start with our hot takes and we go straight into, you know, we'll pick a couple of game matchups and we go into pick them, but we're going to do something a little bit differently today. So we know that the NFL trade deadline is approaching on November 3rd. And so we thought it would be a cool segment to go over, you know, three hypothetical could, maybe could, maybe couldn't happen trade predict or predictions um, for all 32, you know, NFL teams. So we picked three of them. We kind of explored uh, some possibilities with some of our teams and we figured we'd go round robin and start. So I can actually probably kick this one off. My bold prediction for an NFL trade before November 3rd is I think Ryan Kerrigan is going to get traded. And the reason why I think that is because he is not even the best pass rusher on the Washington Redskins anymore. They're drafting so much raw talent out of Alabama, uh, you know, for investing first and second round draft picks and getting defensive players, whether it's on the defensive line, like Chase Young, or whether it's getting guys like Ryan Anderson, who are, you know, way younger, more of those young bucks, Ryan Kerrigan is still – he still has plenty of years ahead of him. But are they really going to be with the Redskins considering he's not even the best pass rusher on his team anymore? There are a lot of teams that could use a guy like Ryan that have the draft picks to be able to give up and go get him. I personally think that he's going to go to Seattle, like a team like Seattle, a winning team that's currently undefeated 
that just needs that final pass rush, right? They have Wright and they have Bobby Wagner at linebacker. Their linebacker play is solid, but they think I think they could use one more guy for a pass rush, especially with the uh, departure of Jadavian Clowney. So that's my bold prediction, whether Seattle gives up a second or third round pick for him. I think that's all they could really offer. Um, or I think that's the salvage value that the skins could get at this point in time, or sorry, the Washington football team, I should say, but uh, that's my first one. I'll kick it over to Pierre for, uh, for his first prediction. Uh, so I don't really have, I don't have a trade prediction here, but my prediction is that uh, Earl Thomas goes unsigned for the rest of this year. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know about you guys. But I, I just think punching teammates in practice doesn't portend to get another, uh, getting another job. Uh, even though Earl Thomas might be the best safety still in the league, I don't think he gets signed at all the rest of the year. I respect that. He also punched Chuck Clark, who was a, uh, a Virginia Tech Hokie. So any single time you go after my Hokies, you're excommunicated forever. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, Cy, Ev, you guys want to kick off your first one? Well, on the note of punching, I mean, Michael Thomas is going to be playing next week. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's not just assume that punching in the NFL is immediately going to pop you off. Um, I think my thing, I'm actually going to go on, on Pierre's route and talk about a signing versus a trade. I think Antonio Brown is going to be a uh, difference maker trade. Like I was going to, I was going to do three trades, but I actually think I'm going to take my third one and focus it on a signing because it's about as good as a trade goes. Uh, AB, he's had all sorts of, you know, hysterics and all sorts of things surrounded by him, but it would shock me if the NFL allows him after eight games to be re-signed. Um, we're hearing now that he's going to get signed, and apparently the Seahawks are one of the number one contenders. But I, I, but apparently there are more people looking at him, not just the Seahawks. And I actually think, you know, call me crazy, I think the Green Bay Packers or the Baltimore Ravens are two places to look out for it. I was just kind of thinking out off the top of my head, and I was like, which teams could really use AB? Because Seattle is kind of loaded with those receivers right now, and like there could be a potential option. But I could definitely see – the Packers or the Ravens who are legitimate Super Bowl contenders with, with solid quarterbacks that only have one primary receiving target, getting a guy like AB to go across from him. And if he bounces back anywhere near what he's been over the past decade, you're talking about a top tier receiver in the NFL. So I wanted to point to uh, AB as my third, uh, third option. What, what a story that would be if he actually joined Baltimore, which is not only the arch nemesis of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he would also be playing with his younger cousin in Hollywood Brown. Yep. They're, they're related. So that would be, that's really interesting. I didn't huh. consider that previously, but, uh, but I'm kicking it over to you. Yeah, mine, I don't have a destination for this one, but I'm really curious to see if and where Julio Jones and or Odell Beckham Jr. get traded. I think those are key players. I mean, if I'm a betting man, I say neither of them get traded, but um, obviously that would be a huge difference maker on a contending club. I don't know like who would be in the market for that. Like Green Bay is actually a good one. Um, I don't know who else would really be targeting such a big name wide receiver, but I, I'm just curious to see if and where the, one of those two guys would go. Interesting one. I'll take it from offense to defense, kicking over to my second one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about uh, the Gamecocks over here and Melvin Ingram. You know, obviously he is a phenomenal defensive player, but they already have a guy named, by the name of Joey Bosa that is the, the leader of their defensive front. Now it's – evident that through the first couple of weeks of the season, Justin Herbert has shined and he's completely taken over that starting job and he will in the future. So why don't the chargers actually get him an offensive line? What they, you know, I think what something that could be interesting is with how young and explosive Melgan Ingram was, or, or currently is, 
I bet you that they could find a first and third uh, round value for Melvin Ingram because he could go to other teams and be the relied upon guy on that defensive front. So I'm not sure where his destination would be, but if the Chargers would, were smart, they would actually invest in an offensive line and they would get draft picks for him uh, next year. This or next year, I should say, yeah. But uh, kicking it over to Pierre for your uh, second one. Um, so I, piggybacking off of what Evan was touching on with Julio and Odell, uh, I'm not sure they'll get traded, but I think that A.J. Green is definitely getting traded this year. Um, I think he's he's uh, I think he's almost washed, and if the Bengals want to get anything for him, they got to do it this year. Um, I don't know. I think he, his contract might be up at the end of this year, or the end of next. So yeah, they definitely got to trade him. Um, I, I think he's going to make some contender very very happy. And don't ever count out Bill Belichick with stuff like this. Get get an AJ Green for a fourth or fifth round pick for the rest of the year. Sounds like a Belichick move. Yeah, I mean, um, what you were saying makes total sense. I think the uh, the Patriots, I'm hearing a lot of rumors about them wanting a receiver in the trade market just because they don't have any, like, solidified player. There's been a lot of uh, Demir Bird, a lot of uh, Nikhil Harry, a lot of this. And Julian Edelman's been kind of struggling a little bit um, with inconsistencies. So the Patriots could definitely use one. I think uh, Cam could definitely use an outside receiver because he isn't playing too hot right now. So that definitely makes sense for that to be a potential target. I'm going to say my receiver pick for later on the defensive side. I'm going to go Anthony Harris for the Vikings is um, definitely somebody that could get traded. He's really solid safety. One of the best in the NFL. Um, I guess maybe best in the NFL is a stretch, but somewhere in the top five to 10, I think Harris could be somebody that a team that's a contender looking for a little uh, secondary help could definitely target, especially because the Vikings look like they're going to be out of playoff contention or they already look like they are. So that seems like a pretty good target for a contender that needs needs that secondary help. So I'm, I'm putting Anthony Harris in my two spot. I dig it. And I like that AJ Green one, although I do think he's completely washed at this point. So I don't know how much help he's going to be, but uh, <laughs> I, I like that uh, um, prediction. Yeah. My, I'm going to go, this is one we've talked about before. So I'm just going to say it quickly. I would love to see Sam Darnold go to the Colts side. <laughs> I would, I would love that so much. I think Sam Darnold, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I think if he was in a good, a good system with a good coaching staff and whatnot, I think he would actually be quite good um, in the NFL. And I think they need to do something about Phillip Rivers. I don't know if it's now or in the off season, you know, I think this year, even if you got Darnold, your best place to probably, you know, see what, if you do need to come off of Rivers and just go to Brissett, but I would love to see Darnold on the Colts. I'll respond to that real quickly as the Colts fan. I would actually, like, I've actually owned up to it, like, uh, like warmed up to that idea more because I do genuinely think that Darnold has just been in an awful situation. I think, Adam Gase has not set him up for success. I do believe that a guy who can be a little bit mobile in our offense with all the kind of creative plays that we run, one of the biggest problems with Phillip Rivers is like he can't give a, get an outside handoff to our running back because he's so old now and he's so slow. Like having somebody like a Darnold would be great. But on the flip side of that, is Sam Darnold better than Jacoby Brissett? I don't know because Jacoby Brissett last year was pretty darn good for us before he got hurt and before our team got hurt. I think more likely than us trading for a quarterback right now, we would go to Brissett and I think Brissett could win games for us because it's not like we need our quarterback to be exceptional for us to win games. And on the flip side of that, the reason I don't think Darnold's going to get traded to anybody is the Jets want to maximize his value. And I think they're going to try to get him back in there and play the rest of the season and try to get him to look at least a little bit better than he has. So that way he gets more value because what benefit do the Jets have? They're still losing. So they'll still be able to get Trevor Lawrence and they might be able to get more for Darnold. So that's my thought on that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up 
Evan, because Cy and I were grabbing wings uh, over the weekend watching the NFL games, and this man's heart rate every single time Philip Rivers <laughs> threw the football in the first half. He was screaming across the room. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to take this guy to the hospital here. It was just <laughs> – <laughs> It was getting bad, but uh, I wouldn't mind that too. And, and to your point, I mean, obviously Jacoby Brissett is an above, I mean, certainly, you know, a very attractive backup to have and, and uh, an above average quarterback, I would say from a statistics standpoint, but Sam Darnold brings excitement. He brings plenty of upside. And uh, I think, I think that would be something interesting and maybe uh, not very congruent with like the currents, the current cold situation, which is very like discipline oriented. Uh, you guys are signing players for not as much money and they're, and they're outplaying, exceeding their expectations. But I think Darnold will bring like that excitement factor to that organization. So I wouldn't necessarily count that out. I think that's a good one. But um, switching over to my third and final one, I'm going to go on the defensive side and talk about Patrick Peterson because just a couple of years ago, this man was widely known as being one of the best corners in the league. I know a couple of injuries had kind of plagued him for the last couple of years. But right now, he's still in Arizona. Uh, at some points, he's actually demanded trades before, but they've been kind of pacified by his agent. And uh, the, the man turns 30 this year. Uh, he's got one more year on his, on his contract. If the Cardinals were smart, they would try to get some type of salvage value for him before he becomes a free agent and bounces regardless. So um, I could see him potentially during before the trade deadline here going to Carolina or Cleveland, two teams that could really use a solidified corner uh, in Cleveland to kind of go opposite of Denzel Ward and push them. You know, they're right now they're four and two, but they're in a really tough division. Maybe Patrick Peterson could kind of, you know, give them more defensive stability and push them to, uh, you know, to the top, you know, kind of compete with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And on the flip side, you know, when you're in a division in the NFC South going up against Calvin Ridley, Julio, Michael Thomas, uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans, I mean, you're going to need a corner that can shut those guys down or at least try to. So I wouldn't count out Carolina either to make a, to make a big trade there. So quick, quick note there. I do. I think the Cardinals are Super Bowl contenders this year. No. Do I think they could benefit from making a trade? Yes. Do I think they will make a trade? No, because they're four and two and they probably believe that they are capable of winning. And uh, I think they they're riding the Cliff Kingsbury experiment and they believe that Kyler will, will get them there. And I think that's their thought and they're four and two. And admittedly, um, you know, that's good enough to compete for a playoff spot, especially with expanded playoffs. So I don't think they're going to be trading people away just because I think they believe they're, they're legit contenders. Um, I personally think they might benefit from it. I, actually, I think Peterson has regressed a good bit too. So the question is, is like, is a team really going to like pay up a lot to get him? They might, he, they might not even get great offers for him because he he's not the guy that he was a few years ago where he was like arguably the best corner in the NFL. So that's my thought. Pierre, what you got, what you got for your third one? All right. This might, y'all might shake your heads at this, but uh, just follow me here. Matt Ryan will get traded before the trade deadline. Ooh. And I'll say, I'll tell you why the Falcons are one in five. And all the, the draft pundits say that this draft has two tiers of quarterbacks that are special. You got your Trevor Lawrence, who's he can't miss. But then you got Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And both of them are probably going to be top 10 picks. So if you're the Falcons, you're one in five. You're looking at a top five at the worst top 10 pick. You trade Matt Ryan, you got a shot even at Trevor Lawrence. And I think after firing Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, Arthur Blank is ready to cut bait completely. 
Interesting. Zach, what do you think? As a, as a Falcons fan, I respect that, Pierre. And, you know, I've obviously seen Matt Ryan and Julio James, June, Julio James, Julio Jones <laughs> for years and years, I swear. I swear. But, uh, you know, it's just so hard to, to see an Atlanta offense without those two guys. You know, Matt Ryan's, you know, had very successful years. He was a uh, an MVP and an offensive player year uh, back in 2016, a Super Bowl winner, asterisk mark. You know, I mean, he, he didn't quite get there because we choked it away. But, you know, Matt Ryan has been the leader uh, and, and staple of that franchise. So I don't disagree with you. And I actually – could very well see that happening because even Arthur Blank himself has said that he is not sold on Matt Ryan and it is an open minefield right now. That would be very interesting. The problem that I see here and, and especially this year is the league is very polarized. And what I mean by that is there are three or four undefeated teams in the league still through five, six weeks of football or six weeks of football, I should say. And there's like four or five winless teams right now. The Jets, I guess the Giants got their win, but there, you know, there are multiple very, very bad teams, unlike most other years. I think those teams will pan out and be worse than the Falcons. Even if the Falcons are like, let's just say they finish three and 13 or four and 12, they will be like a fifth, sixth or seventh pick this year um, in this upcoming draft. So I think, I think it makes it more complicated, I guess I should say. Well, well let me ask you this. If you're Matt Nagy, and you look down at your bench and you see Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, and you think you can get Matt Ryan for a second, maybe a two seconds or a second and a third. Are you not, are you not seriously considering that? You're five and one and your defense has looked great this year. Can I answer that's, that that's question? That's a fantastic point. Can I answer that question? Go for it. No, you definitely don't trade for Matt Ryan because you're already paying those other two guys like yeah, like 40 or 50 million <laughs> yeah. combined. What are you going to pay three quarterbacks more than half your payroll? <laughs> like, <laughs> they'd be paying like 100 million between the three of them if they trade for Matt Ryan. And the question is, do they even have the assets to pull that off? Like, what would the Falcons demand for Matt Ryan, right? Like, you're almost better off. As, as a matter of fact, if it's cool with you guys, I can jump right into my take because it'll play in perfectly to this. And the irony of this is, I, w- I went and fact checked after Zach just stated his number one option, which was Patrick Peterson. I was going to say my combined selection for number one was going to be the number four and number six selection of the 2011 NFL draft, which would have been AJ Green and Julio Jones, who are arguably two of the greatest of our generation to play, you know, wide receiver in the NFL for the times that they've been healthy. I was going to say both those guys would be great trade targets. And I just realized, and I think I remember this correctly, and I, I just fact-checked Zach's pick with his number one, the number four and number six were, were AJ Green, and number six was Julio Jones. Number five was Patrick Peterson. So that's actually hilarious. All three of those guys went back to back to back. And I'm sitting here like distracted up as to how ridiculous that 2011 draft class was because there was Von Miller and JJ Watt and all those guys in there. But um, I, not to digress too much, I think both of those guys are solid players to trade. Obviously I think Julio Jones would demand more value given the fact that when Julio is healthy, he is still, if not the best, a top three wide receiver in the NFL. I think people were sleeping on him early this season because after game one, he got hurt. He came back last week and showed you, you can't guard him. Nobody can guard Julio Jones. He will eat you for dinner every single time. Julio Jones is a monster. I'm tired of hearing these ridiculous, like Calvin Ridley has already uh, taken the torch from Julio Jones takes like, get out of here with that. Julio Jones is by far the alpha. 
thing is, though, I don't think the Falcons are going to make any changes because I think they believe that with the offense that they have, that if they can improve on their defense and they can get better head coaching, that they can win games. And I actually agree with that. Like, if I was a Falcons, like if I was a GM of the Falcons, I would not be trying to trade away my offense right now because you have Calvin Ridley, you have um, Julio Jones, you have like Hayden Hurst. You just got this offense like loaded up around you. Todd Gurley's been playing well. You put piece that all together with Matt Ryan, they can score points. Their big problem has been defense and coaching. And I think those things can be improved. So I'm, if I'm the Falcons, I'm not making, I'm not making trades, but I do think Julio would be, um, if you're trying to blow it up, he's a great person to chew trade because you could actually probably get a first round pick and more for him after this last game that he had. Uh, Zach, you want the GM job because we're GM list right now. <laughs> I mean, hey, your your GM list is better than the than the Texans having Bill O'Brien as their GM and trading away <laughs> new Hopkins. So you're doing a little bit better than them. Uh, but also AJ Green, real quick. I'm coming to his defense a little bit because even though AJ Green isn't the AJ Green of four or five years ago, he just showed you last game that if you use him right, you use him out of the slot and you you give him the right kinds of targets that he can still put up production for you. If you saw AJ Green last game, he caught eight of 11 targets against uh, against my Indianapolis Colts where Burrow was giving them quick routes up, up, up across the slants. Sure, he's not going to burn you down the field like he used to, but he's still like definitely a productive big receiver that can make those uh, third down catches and make big plays for you. So I definitely think if they're willing to trade him, a team will buy. I think you could probably get like maybe a second, late second, third round kind of pick. You could not for AJ Green. No, okay. If if you are a contending team that's most likely going to end up being a late selection in a draft, then they might be willing to be crazy enough to do it. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm not saying like, a team should give up a second round pick for AJ Green. But if you're a team that wants to compete for the Super Bowl and you and like you already know you're going to end up being like a 25 to 32 level pick, that second round pick isn't nearly as enticing as as, you know, somebody who is a bad team trading a second round pick for for good players. So somebody might be crazy enough to do it. Should they do it? Probably not. I guess Mohamed Sanu went for a second round pick exactly uh, a couple of years ago, which was exactly. absurd, but uh yeah. Look, I don't understand how Bill Belichick can literally evaluate every position on the field better than any coach except for receiver. This dude picked Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. Yet he's won six Super Bowls, so I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't think he needs receivers. I think that's that's basically the point here. Like, he, he just he can make anything work. I think that's kind of Bill Belichick's trademark. Wild. E, what's your third? My third, um, this one, I don't, especially now, I don't think has a chance, but this is kind of my dream trade for the Washington football team, um, uh, or at least dream acquisition. But uh, going into the season, or at least early on in the season, when we thought the Bears might not be as good, there was some Allen Robinson trade chatter, because I think his contract expires maybe at the end of last year. And ever since I heard that, I was like, Allen Robinson opposite Terry McLaurin, that is a dream. So my trade is Allen Robinson goes to Washington and even more fun. Let's send them Dwayne Haskins and maybe some piss, some picks. And they have a young quarterback that they could maybe try and develop. You know, I doubt it'll go well, but uh, I doubt they're interested in that. I want to put Bears fans through another four years of like Trubisky. <laughs> Come on, Evan. You I know figure it's perfect. Cool, you know? you know they, cool. they sat with Trubisky. Now they can have Dwayne and Nick Foles. That'd be the funniest quarterback room of all time. <laughs> You know the funniest part? You know what the funniest part of what Evan just said was? He said, let's trade Allen Robinson and some piss instead of picks on accident. I did. 
<laughs> admittedly, like they probably see Dwayne Haskins and piss on the table right now. So I don't think I don't think this is gonna work. <laughs> Oh that was a, what is that a Freudian? That slip? was well done. <laughs> is is Allen Robinson the most slept-on wide receiver in the NFL? You could probably make an argument for that because he legitimately has had terrible quarterback play around him from year one. This guy, fourteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns with Blaine or with what was it? Was it Gabbard or Blake Bortles? Well, Blake Bortles, and ever since then he has not had a good quarterback, and he still manages to put up numbers and be there for them. So. I would love to see him go somewhere where where uh, he gets those kinds of targets. Admittedly, that's probably not the Washington football team. But... Not right now. Not right now. But, you know, if we're bad enough, it could get someone, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. But I do – I agree with you. I think he's, like, top three to five if he had a better quarterback. I said that a couple weeks ago. Yep, I, 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 think, I think he's that good. I think he's an absolute beast. I've, re- I've resigned my uh, fanship from the Washington football team until Dan Snyder sells the team. Like, I just – I can't do it anymore. Can't I can't blame you there. Him. I just, I mean, I had to do it a couple of years ago. I was like, I just, I can't do it anymore. Dan Snyder, until he sells the team, I'm not a fan. That's fair. No, I respect no, that. Up there for many reasons. It's actually probably a great way to segue from our, our trade predictions, free agent predictions, to our week seven pickums. Evan, before we get started, because the first matchup is an NFC East matchup. But before I dive into those details, Ev, I'll let you kind of go over the analytics of last week because I know Dolan is extremely concerned about his performance. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a challenging week because I think there were a lot of games that we didn't really expect to go the way they went. So the big winner last week, though, was um, our guest picker, Dolan. He went 9-5, uh, and five, which is uh, pretty solid given all the upsets. Cy was a close second with eight wins. Um, I had seven. Zach had six. So, Zach, you were below 500. But it was a tough week. It was a tough week. Yeah, I mean, literally, there was a lot of lot of matchups that went a little awkwardly. But I would like to take a moment to point to the fact that all of us somehow picked the Cowboys. <laughs> the second we did that, you knew it was going Arizona. Like, <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> It wasn't even close to. We had way too much faith in that and them figuring it out game one. Real quick, if we if we don't give Zach some love for his Falcons finally winning him a game this weekend, <laughs> what are we even doing here? He has picked them as a homer all year and they finally paid off. And yet somehow he was the only one that picked the Falcons and he still had the worst pick on this week. I still finished last. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, shout out. Looks like they rallied together because of the Dan Quinn uh departure similar to how houston did it they actually looked really good in that game i mean they that offense looked almost unstoppable admittedly the vikings have not been able to stop any offense but still you gotta give credit where credit's due so shout out to your falcons with that being said let's jump into the pickums i've already prefaced it so uh, i think zach can zach can get us right into it um for context pierre we just literally rapid fire ask about matchups and pick very quickly, what team? Maybe give one sentence if you if you if feel inclined to do so, and we just move it along. So let's get Sounds the ball. Good. Sounds good. All right. So the first matchup is our Thursday night game, which uh, kicks off tomorrow. Uh, the New York Giants fresh off a win against Philly. Uh, both teams, you know, obviously need a win in this in this case scenario. Pierre, we'll start with you. The spread is four point five Philly's way. Do you think Philly wins, or you think New York takes this away? I'm taking the E A G L E S Eagles. <laughs> I respect that. Go ahead, E. Yeah, I think the Eagles, like I said, they actually you know, kind of looked good in the loss last week, losing to Baltimore by a couple points. So big game for Travis Fulgham. 
So the Eagles do have Miles Sanders out most likely tomorrow night, and we'll be we'll be running Boston Scott. So I do think they'll make a little bit of a difference. So I think it might be closer than people think. But I got to pick the Eagles if they somehow keep it close to the Ravens and lose tomorrow night. The NFC East is even worse than what we talked about. G I A N T S Giants. I got the Giants in this one. I got Zach Ertz out, Miles Sanders out. Like uh, so I just mentioned, you know, two offensive weapons that. Uh, you know, and especially with Ertz, uh, you know, he's kind of like that down the field or I guess like the middle of the field weapon safety blanket, I should say, for wins when he's constantly under pressure. I think the Giants think this one out. I think they uh, I think they ride the win streak from last week and they continue it out. So uh, moving on to our Sunday games or 1 p.m.ers here. Well, I guess nooners for uh, for Pierre out there on Central Time. We have here we have the Detroit Lions playing in Atlanta. Atlanta is actually favored by two point five. Who you got in this one? I think the Lions are a really good two and three team. I'm going with Stafford and the Lions. Ready? Yeah, I, I always pick the Lions, so Lions. I've been pretty consistent about picking the Lions, but I think with Julio back, that Falcons offense is, is better than people realize. And I also think that uh, Detroit just is going to have no way to stop them. And even on the flip side, I just think they're going to score more. So I picked the Falcons on this one. Poor Jeff Okuda, the number one corner, rookie corner at Ohio State for Detroit. He's had to play against Hop, Devontae Adams. Now he has to play against Julio. No bueno. I got Atlanta, two-game victory or two-game win streak. All right, so moving on to an AFC North matchup. Uh, we have the Cleveland Browns, 4-2 playing in Cincinnati. Cincinnati obviously needs a win as well. They came close with Indianapolis. Cleveland's favored by three. Uh, Sai, we'll start with you on this one. Who do you think wins the uh, this AFC North matchup? Yeah, so I know Cincinnati came close against the uh, the Colts, uh, but I will say they're up 21 to nothing, and then we got our stuff together and then absolutely smoked them after that. So I'm not coming out here thinking the Bengals are like some amazing team. I think Burrow is better than people give them credit for. But I think even though the Browns got smoked by the Steelers, I think they'll come out and 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 win this one uh, with with a little bit of with a little bit of pride because I think they're going to be very upset about what happened last week. So I got the Browns. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Browns as well. This is a tough one. I kind of want to pick the Bengals. Joe Burrow gets some revenge after that week two game where I think he, um, is maybe upset about, but I think coming off a loss, I'll go Browns. Pierre, who you got? Well, the four and two Browns have, have a negative point differential and actually the Bengals have only a, a, about the same point differential. So I'm actually going to go with Joe Burrow and the Bengals here. I really think this Love is it. the week where like the Cleveland pundits really give up on Baker Mayfield. Now you make me really want to go with this upset pick, but I can't. I've been placing last week over week. I got to go with the consistency here. I got to go Browns. I'm going to go Browns in this one, but I am very tempted. Um, switching over to another matchup. This is the uh, the game of the undefeateds. We have Pittsburgh Steelers 5-0 and playing in Nashville against the Titans, also 5-0. and Right now the spread's minus one, Tennessee. Um, Pierre, we'll go back to you. Who you got in the in this one? I, I, I can't pick against Derrick Henry right now. Just can't do it. I'm going Titans. I think the Steelers looked great last week. I mean, I, I still think Jerry's out on the Browns. Maybe we got a little overhyped on them after four and one, but Steelers look great. I'm going to go Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers might be the best team in the NFL. Like, I know we talk Ooh. about the Chiefs. I know we talk about all these other teams, but I legitimately think – they completely neutralize teams' run games. And, of course, Derrick Henry is probably going to be the hardest matchup they face. But I think if there's any team that can somewhat hold them at bay and make 
them throw the ball even more. Not that Tannehill has been bad, but the Steelers are going to be able to do that. And they have that secondary help. They have Devin Bush out, which is actually going to be a huge thing for him because he's been great. But I'm picking the Steelers, man. Like they are nasty. There's those wide receivers. Oh my gosh. Like I can't, the Steelers are amazing. They're an amazing team. Yeah, I'm going to go Steelers too. So uh, moving on to an NFC South matchup, we have the Carolina Panthers playing at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored 3.5, or sorry, 7.5. Ev, we'll start with you in this one. And uh, who you got? I'll take the Saints here. I think it's a decent game, but Panthers came back down to earth a little bit last week. So I'll go New Orleans. Mike Thomas back. You got Pierre, Pierre Thomas, Saints. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, this is tough, man. I, I really want to pick the Panthers. I really do. But, like, how can you pick against the Saints in the in the, in the the Superdome, even with no fans? So, I'm going yeah, Saints. So I'm, I'm with you, buddy. And the other thing is, post-bye week, Sean Payton is a scary man to play. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think they lose games when they come off bye weeks. They get Michael Thomas back. I think the Saints are going to be right back up there with the, with the top dogs in the NFC starting this this upcoming weekend. I just hope Sean Payton keeps Taysom Hill off the field. <laughs> he keeps Dude, you got the field, as Evan would say. Yep. You you got to check out our episode last week. We talked about Taysom Hill for like ten minutes. <laughs> A lot of time on Taysom Hill, but yeah, I got the Saints. Go ahead, Zebo. All right, cool. I'm gonna finish this one off. I got the Saints as well, and jumping into our next game. It looks like this is like the week of divisional matchups because. The next matchup is the Buffalo Bills looking for a win at this point. You know, I mean, drop two in a row, playing at the New York Jets. So I think we're, they're going to be okay here. I've got the Bills. I'll just start off. I think they're going to win big. The spread is 13. Pierre, who you got? You got the Bills in this one? Bills. 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 Okay, cool. I'm not even going to spend any more time on it because sure. I know we're going to spend more time on this matchup. Dallas is coming to Washington. Oh. And- the spread right now is Dallas by one, despite the abysmal performance last week. Pierre, you're rocking the Washington gear. We'll start with you in this one. Uh, on this one, you got uh, Washington, or you think Dallas comes in and stampedes? I, I, this is like picking between like just two absolutely shitty teams at the moment. <laughs> it's, it is so tough. I think Dallas comes back and wins this game. Um, I think Dalton, given a full week, I, I, I just. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas, but I'm not confident at all. <laughs> I'm going Washington. Just, I mean, uh, I, to Pierre's point, it's like, you know, flipping a coin here. Washington at home. Sure. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to run for like 200 yards. I think he's going to be so pissed off after last week. I know the Washington, I know the Washington D line is good, but if he gets past that initial, that initial barrier, I don't see anybody tackling. I just think he's going to be so mad this year, this week. I think the I think the uh, Cowboys will win this one. Do we really think that Zeke cares enough, or has that personality type where he's I just do. gonna come out I angry do. though? I since I've seen him, since I've seen him at Ohio State, like he definitely is somebody that when he gets mad, like he he plays that way. At least that's what I've noticed. I, I think Zeke is gonna make a statement this weekend, especially after all the crap he's gotten this this week. Well, but does, does he even have two offensive tackles at the moment? Like Tyrus with. Well, Collins are both injured, right? That, that is true. That we'll we'll see if they we'll see if they come back healthy. I mean, that O line looked really bad. That's why Dalton was struggling. But Zeke is just that good, in my opinion. I don't know. That's just how I see it. As a as a former offensive lineman myself, I just like I don't see I don't see this guy. I, I don't see him being able to break enough tackles to get down the field. I just don't. I don't think his line's got anything for him right now. Uh, but I got Washington in the in this one. I I love the defensive line. Uh, I think they're going to stop Zeke early, force Dalton to throw. I think Dalton's going to throw picks. 
Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the way I have it drawn up here. Um, our last one o'clock matchup is the Green Bay Packers, uh, fresh off a loss, playing at the Houston Texans, who are playing better and took you know an undefeated team in overtime last week. Spread is Green Bay three point five. Uh, Pierre, we'll start with you and and who you got. I really think Green Bay bounces back from getting their butts kicked by the Buccaneers. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers pissed off is one of the is one of the most like enjoyable things to watch. So I actually am really looking forward to this game, and I think it's Packers absolutely all the way. Yeah, this one, and I'm I'm gonna do a a minor uh, tweak to the segment and give a best bet every week. Um, and this is it for me, like three and a half. Green Bay coming off a loss. Everything Pierre just said, like, come on, I think that's an easy cover. I think this is going to be a extremely high scoring game. I, I, like just what the Packers going against that Houston secondary or that Houston defense that just got torched by the Titans. And then on the flip side of that, the Packers couldn't stop the Bucks at all in, in any capacity last week. I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I, I got Green Bay just because I think uh, like Rogers is going to be pissed off. I also think Devonta Adams will will form back into shape a little bit more. Like that's not like last week. I think he had a couple of misplays here and there, and I think they're going to get that back into rhythm. So I got Green Bay, but um, I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. Yeah, more so than the spread. I'm looking for the over here. I agree. I think it's going to be about straight, to ask you that. It's going to be a straight shootout here. That's what I think, man. Uh, <laughs> so that that's a great best bet right there, E. And uh, I do think the Packers are going to take this one. I think. Uh, to Pierre's point, in a an angry Aaron Rodgers is a dangerous one. Um, so that's who I got. So our first 405 matchup is the Seahawks uh, coming off a bye, playing at the Arizona Cardinals, fresh off that insane win in Dallas. This is a tough one. I'll start with E on this one, but the spread is 3.5. E, what you got in this NFC West matchup? Yeah, talk about high scoring. You got another one here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go Seattle um, to win and cover. Who you got? Oh, you are okay. I'm gonna I'm go Seattle. I, I don't actually think this is going to be as close as people might think because I think I think I just think Seattle is the better coach team. So I think Seattle. Pierre, I, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Cardinals here. I uh, I want I want to definitely be one of those guests that win the week, and so I'm gonna go against the the first two picks here to see if I can uh, can't get the W. Like what I love it. You know what? I can't believe I'm doing this, Pierre, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals as well. And I think it's Arizona, the A, Alopecia, Arizona. I don't know what type of mojo we're feeling here, but I'm going the Cardinals as well. I was so impressed with their performance, and I think they have the offensive firepower to get the job done. Um, plus, it's at home. So hey, we Pierre. Never- hey, Pierre, how do you feel about uh, Zach picking the same teams as you? Does that make you feel good about your picks, buddy? Um, not, not necessarily, not necessarily. <laughs> Isn't he ranked last right now, boys? Did I hear that earlier? Or he was last week. And I think on the year he's, uh, well, we're pretty close Zach, I think. Yeah. But, we're like neck and neck, I would say, but it's yeah. not good neck and neck. It's like the fight for last average. Week. Yeah. Size, size, the clear best picker. This Zach, why far. couldn't you have just taken the Seahawks, man? Why couldn't you? Have done that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so moving on to, uh, our, ne- our next matchup here, we have an AFC West matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs playing at the Denver Broncos fresh off a win. Kansas City is still favored 9.5. Um, Pierre, we'll kick this one over to you. Uh, what you got in this one? Yeah, I'm not going to bet against Mahomes here. I'm taking Kansas City. Agreed. 
Yeah, and Kansas, I'm intrigued to see if Le'Veon Bell is going to play this game, but I think either way, uh, Kansas City's run game is actually going to really show up this game because um, Edwards Alaire got it going last time. So I'm taking Kansas City. Yeah, I would agree as well. And uh, I can probably kick off this next matchup. We have the San Francisco 49ers fresh off a win playing at New England. This is a phenomenal matchup. Um, very, very interesting. I think the Patriots are going to come out and win this. The spread is actually leaning New England's direction 2.0. Um, but I just think Cam's going to come out and play. And uh, and I'm interested in this one, but I'm going to stick with New England. Uh, but, Pierre, who do you got? This is tough. I just – I really think the 49ers are better than their 3-3 three and three record. But there is absolutely no way I'm going to pick a Belichick team to be 2-4 and four after six weeks. I'm going with the Patriots. To even it up at 500, three and three. Yeah, great. I, uh, the 49ers finally got back to like what we saw last year with how they played against the Rams. Um, uh, so it was good to see that. Sadly, Mostert got hurt again, yeah. um, which is a bummer for uh, fantasy purposes on my end. But, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Pats here, uh, similar to what Pierre said. I just think coming off a loss, I think they need to get back to 500, and I think they'll sneak it out. Yeah, I think the Pats are going to neutralize their run game and get Jimmy Garoppolo to start throwing the football. And not that he can't, but he, I think if you force him to throw too much, that's when good things happen for the other team. So I think the Patriots are going to win, um, especially with most third out. I th- that defense is so decimated, even though they played against the Rams. Like, it's going to be hard to, hard to coach against Bill Belichick's schemes. So I'm taking the Patriots. Cool. Uh, final 405 game. We have the Jags at the Chargers. Both teams are, uh, I guess the Jaguars are one in five. The Chargers are one in four. Man, the Chargers are a good one in four team. I've right. got the LA Chargers coming out and winning big. The spread's eight. I could see, I wouldn't necessarily, here's my big bet, Ev. I wouldn't take the spread, but I would take the over in this game in a heartbeat. That's, that's my prediction. That's something I would do. Uh, Pierre, kicking it over to you for this one. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I was on the Gardner Minshew train to start the year, but, you know, he's really disappointed me. And, and I think Justin Herbert's going to be a quarterback in this league for a long time to come. So I'm taking the Chargers as well. Go ahead, e. Yeah, definitely Chargers for me too. I actually, again, like one in four is crazy to me. I think they're actually a pretty good team. So I think I'm going to take the Chargers, but I actually think this is going to be like a three-point game. I don't think this is going to be like a blowout personally. I think it's going to be really close, but I'm taking the Chargers. Cool. Switching over to our Sunday night game. Uh, so we can start with you on this one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing at the Las Vegas, the Death Star, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, fresh off a of bye. Um, right now, the spread is actually Tampa Bay 3.5 right now. What do you got in, uh, in this Sunday night matchup here? This is actually a really tough one for me, and I'm going to go the Raiders. I'm going to go the Raiders. Like the way they've been playing recently, the way they beat up the Chiefs, uh, they're coming off that bye. They're they're excited. They're amped up. They're healthy right now. I think the Raiders are going to beat. I think the Raiders are going to beat Tom Brady and those Bucks. I'm taking the Raiders. Yeah, this is so, like oddly like one of the best games of the week. I mean, this is like just so fascinating to me. So I think it might be kind of. I mean, the Bucks looked fantastic though. They actually looked like almost an elite team against Green Bay. But I think it's ultimately going to be maybe kind of an up and down season for them. Um, and I'm going to say, I'll take Vegas at home. Yeah. Pierre, you got, uh, this is a tough one. I really, there, I think there's a lot of talent on Tampa Bay, but Bruce Arians coach teams don't seem to be disciplined whatsoever on the road against the team coming off a of bye. 
This one's tough. I want to – you know what? Come on, Tampa Bay. Let's go, Bucks. Don't do I'm it, the, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm going Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Bay. Let's go, Tampa Bay. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Gronk and the ears. The Gronk and the ears. <laughs> I've got I've got Tampa too. I think I think they went out. Uh, no pun intended. Tampa too, but um, I think uh, I think they're going to come out clean house. I actually think they, not I think they cover that spread away. Um, I just I really like what Tampa Bay is doing. It looks like Brady's starting to get that mojo back. Godwin's back, and their defense is starting to show up too, which is what they were supposed to do weeks ago. So that's my opinion on it. I'm going to go Bucks, and then week, but. Uh, Finally, on this Monday night game, we have Chicago Bears, I should say. Uh, five and one playing at the LA Rams, four and two. The spread is six going the Rams way. Uh, Pierre, we'll kick it over to you for our final one. Who you got? Yeah, I, I absolutely understand the spread. I mean, I think the Chicago Bears are a, a fake five and one team. And I think the uh, LA Rams could win, could very easily win the NFC West. So I'm taking the Rams in this one. That's an interesting take. I actually. I do agree that the Bears aren't a five and one team, but I still think the Bears are a good team. And I, I'm really not that keen on the Rams right now after that San Francisco performance. So I, I am a little skeptical on this spread, but um, I'm, I'm trying to pick more home teams now. I feel like it's maybe the mistake I've been making. Um, so I'm going to pick the Rams, but the spread confuses me a little bit, to be honest with you. Zach, who do you got? I am going to go L.A.'s route. I just, you know, I picked them before the season started to be a top five team in the NFL. So I feel like I have to stick to that. But I I think they're going to rebound here. And I just don't think Chicago is very good, to Pierre's point. Do I think that they're like a terrific five and one team? No. Do I think their defense is playing better? Yes. I think they're starting to turn it up a little bit. I think uh, offensively they have been a little bit better with Foles and Trubisky, at least in terms of consistency. Uh, With that being said, though, I still think – well, mainly because the Rams lost to that beat up 49ers team last week. I think they're going to come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think McVay is, uh, McVay is too good to lose those two in the row back to back. So I'm going to pick the Rams at home. And uh, real quick, I know, I know the episode is probably about to, about to end real quick, but there's one last little topic that I think we need to touch on very, very briefly. The Miami Dolphins are on a bye week, so we didn't make a pick for them, but they're three and three one game away from the division lead and they have made the decision after the bye week to start Tua Tonga Viola over Ryan Fitzmagic. And I, yes, I will call him Fitzmagic because I love him. Ryan Fitzmagic after the bye week. What do you guys think about that? I'm really curious to get your take real quick. I think they wanted to use the bye week to like get him ready, which is why they did it now. I think in a perfect world, I think it's a little early because Fitzpatrick's playing well. They're winning games. You can continue to rest Tua. I also think there might be a small element of seeing how well Burrow and Herbert are doing that they want to get their guy out there too. So I think maybe a little early, but they get to use the bye week to uh, to give him an extra week to get ready. So I think that's that makes sense. Yep. I think the urgency element is a great point, Evan. I didn't even consider that previously, but when you see these – you know, these new quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round excelling or, or at least exceeding their their potential for, you know, from a first year standpoint. Um, I think they're definitely ready to give to give him the keys, but not let them, you know, go out there like Herbert had to do and, and totally run that offense right from the start. I think Tua is, is well coached by his team and then obviously well, well mentored by Ryan Fitzpatrick. And uh, I think he's going to go out there and be pretty successful. Um, and they've also got some young talent there that I think he meshes with super well. 
I think Tua actually threw two passes in the previous game, didn't he? He was like two yeah. for two or something like that. Garbage time, like five to ten yard routes, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and you he, know, they got him out there, but I'm I, I like it. I, I'm excited to see Tua for sure. Any thoughts on your end, Pierre? I mean, I think it's obviously a play for the future. Uh, when you're three and three with the Bills at, at four and two and the, the Pats at two and three, you, could, you couldn't fault them if they wanted to stay with Fitz Magic and see if they couldn't make a run at the division. Um, I don't think the Bills are, are, are as good as people thought they were earlier this season. So it's a tough decision, but, um, you know, uh, I, I definitely think for the future it's, it's the right move. As, as Evan said, coming off a bye, you give them two weeks to prepare. Um, you gave them some game time last go around. Yeah, I think it's the right call. Yeah, I think, I think it makes sense to go to Tua you know, at some point, I think the part that kind of blew my mind is the fact that they've won two straight. It makes me question if like they're, they necessarily maybe don't even care to make the playoffs this year. Cause they don't see themselves as Super Bowl contenders, which I also kind of understand if their goal is to just get to a going. So for the, the future is, is, uh, is concrete. I'm so dang excited to watch Tua play football again. I mean, he was so fun to watch at Bama, and I think he's going to be so fun to watch. He's got weapons around him with Devonta Parker, Preston Williams, Kaseki, all those guys. I think he's going he's gonna to have a lot of fun out there. We're going to see a lot of uh, excitement. But I feel really bad for Fitzmagic, man. 37 years old. I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the report, but apparently he was shocked. Um, like, you know, was caught, completely caught off guard because they won two games in a row, and he's been playing terrific. Like, he's, you know, I think he has like, like nine touchdowns over his last three to four games. I'm like, he's been playing really well. Um, so I feel for him, but shout out to him always coming out, being a great leader, being a positive guy and uh, managing to win some games for teams when, when he's not really necessarily expected to. So I had to make one last shout out to Fitzmagic. This is the last time we see him this season. And, uh, and something interesting about Tua's completion last game, it was the first completion with, uh, by a lefty since 2017. I believe it was either Vic or Eli Manning scrambling and throwing a left-handed pass. I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, the first lefty completion since 2017. So shout out to Tua and those left-handers. <laughs> I don't think the Eli one would have counted just because Patrick Mahomes has also thrown one of those, and you would have you would have counted. I think I think Fitzpatrick actually threw one in that game because I was starting him in fantasy, so I was watching that game surprisingly closely, and I I think I saw him do the same. So it was probably Vic, but <laughs> one one way to perfectly end it is: Did you guys see what Tua did after the game? He went out to the 15-yard line, which is where he initially suffered his injury at Alabama that took him out for the season. He sat down, took it all in, and uh, it was just a beautiful moment. And I think it's almost like a storybook way to end his end his first time playing in the NFL and begin his NFL journey as a starter. So super excited about Burrow, Tua, Herbert. And one really fun note, the Dolphins are going to be playing both of those teams um, by the end of the season. So we're going to see Tua versus Urban. We're going to see Tua versus, uh, Tua versus Burrow. So let's, let's, get, let's uh, keep, keep our radar on for that one. Uh, with that being said, Pierre, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing how I do over, this, over the weekend games. <laughs> hey, Pierre, when are you coming to D.C. again? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a little while. You need to come back to Austin, dude. We should go to Buford. It's not nearly the same with COVID, but uh, but they're still tearing up the dance floor a little bit. That's probably uh, the easier sell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. We'll have Especially to during the winter. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, next time I see you, beer's on me. And, and thanks for joining again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Monday's Down South. We will see you next week.